managing multiple priorities. We're here with Jeff Davidson, the work-life balance expert. Let's take no more time. Let's jump into this priority, which is managing multiple priorities. Managing multiple priorities. These days, who doesn't face an array of important items competing for their time and attention? I mean, do you even get a break? Is there ever a time where there's just like one thing that you have to finish, one thing you have to address, one thing you have to handle? No, it's always multiple. And it's probably always going to be that way. So we're going to look at some innovative ways to manage multiple priorities. I'm going to throw some terms out at you right now that probably don't mean much, but I'll explain them immediately. One is implementing a multiple priority grid. Another is conditioning your environment. And another is using multiple stations. So as we proceed, we're going to cover those three terms and they're going to become hopefully uh, favorable terms for you. All right, so why do tasks pile up? Maybe our priorities aren't well established. Maybe we have hidden agendas. Maybe there are distractions. Maybe there's procrastination, unnecessary correspondence, lack of feedback, disorganization, taking on too much at once, lack of adequate support, unclear objectives, conflicting deadlines, waiting for information, unproductive meetings, an inability to say no, poor listening, poor scheduling, poor delegation, unrealistic time frames, maybe negative attitudes, maybe errors. Any of these can contribute to pileup of tasks. Once tasks pile up, then we're in danger of not completing the things we need to do, and we're likely to be facing multiple priorities at the same time. Regarding the responsibilities and tasks that you face, recognize that you are where you are due mainly to the habits that you've developed and the resources that you've assembled in relation to the challenges you face. So if your challenges continually overmatch your resources, you're going to feel as if you're behind. You're trying to catch up. When your resources equal the challenges you face, now you've got a fighting chance. All right. So... Who created the situation that you face? Who invited the multiple priorities? Who invited the mess that you have to address? Most times it was you. Yeah, you can blame your boss, you can blame others, but most of the time it was you. Uh, I went to a gym for many years. I work out at home now, but for many years I went to a gym, and you all know the exercise equipment known as the stair climber. Well, I'm on the stair climber, Got it at a good pace, and a lady gets on next to me. Could have been a man, but it was a lady. She gets on next to me. She puts on headphones, and we've all seen this. Then she reaches down into her bag. She takes out a book, and she puts it on that ledge on the stair climber that's right in front of you, kind of blocking the screen a little. But she takes out a book, and she opens the book to, like, page 530 or something, and so she's got the headphones, she's got the book, she's doing the stair climber, 
And in this particular gym, there's also a bank of TVs, televisions, facing the stair climbers. I leaned over to her. I almost said, would you like some chewing gum? <laughs> but I refrained. The point is, she chose to have these three, four things going at the same time. And if her life is hectic, I don't know anything about her. But if her life is hectic, if she feels as if she's always battling, you know, the clock and there's so much to do, maybe it's because she's taking on a lot at the same time. I, I don't know, but that's just my guess. When you face six things at once, let's say there's six file folders on your desk and every single one of them has to be addressed, there's only one way you can get through the six. Only one way if you want to be effective. That is to pick up the one that's most important and deal with that, and then number two, and then number three. Not to dabble in each of the six which might be psychologically satisfying, but you're not making forward progress in a significant way. And it certainly doesn't match the progress you could make if you picked up folder number one of, of, of number one importance and proceeded through that all the way to the finish or as far as you could take it, and then go to number two. And you can't really effectively multitask, can you? You know, you can for very low-level activities. For example, you can eat while you're sitting on the couch and watching TV. You're not going to fall off the couch. You're not going to miss that much in the show. You can do that. You can probably ride a bike and maybe, uh, no, I don't know, biking, especially in urban a areas. Stationary bike. You can read a little bike. bit or you something. You could, maybe. And you could certainly read while you're eating. You don't quite taste the food in the manner that you normally would if you were just focusing on the food. And you may miss a point or two in what you're reading, but you can reread the line. Those are okay. Anything else, any high-level stuff, anything that involves equipment or children or fast-moving vehicle or explosives or what have you, <laughs> don't multitask. All right. The scientists, the researchers tell us that we can only give our sharp attention, our sharp mental attention, in one direction at a time. So on the path to effectively managing multiple priorities, don't be deluded by thinking that you can reverberate back and forth and multitask and handle two tasks, because what you're really doing is stopping for a nanosecond, turning to something else, stopping again for a nanosecond. Each time your brain has to set up a small compartment, if you will, to focus on what you've now turned to. You're actually losing productivity. There's no way that you're not. And again, it could be psychologically satisfying to think, oh yeah, I'm on this, oh, but I can also handle this, I come back to this. But it can't be as productive as the person who just stays with one focus area and then and only then turns to what's next. So multitasking is, a, is an illusion, really, more than anything. The problem is we're being sold on multitasking all the time in society. The signs say, push me, click me, take me on, subscribe, you know, 
okay, take on more. But those are vendors who have something to sell to us, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So, if you've been working long and hard, be good to yourself. Do not multitask. And that includes apps on your phone and these other temptations. They're all around us. There's no real way to get rid of them. So, in all endeavors, the subtlety that defines the fine line between the master and the would-be master is attention to detail. When you multitask, you run the risk of missing that attention to the minutest of details, glossing over. That's a real danger. And in many cases, the multitasker makes errors that requires that they backtrack. You can get to the point where you're actually, you know, you're stacking the boxes and you're trying to do something else, and then all of a sudden the boxes fall over. Well, you got to restack them. Okay, so strategies for managing multiple priorities. I mentioned these before. Implementing the multiple priority grid. Here's how it works. Think of the phrase killing two birds with one stone. Although, please don't kill any birds. If you can undertake an activity that solves two problems at the same time, that's to your advantage. So suppose you're single and you want to meet somebody and you're going to be relocated to Paris for a month for your company, so you need to brush up on your French. You take a French class in the evening, French course, and you meet somebody who's also taking the course. Well, you've just accomplished two objectives with one activity. That's okay. That is not multitasking. That's actually the opposite. Right. That's a singular task that happened to fulfill two objectives. That works like a dream. Now, you can perfect this to a higher degree. You can actually draw little grids for yourself and say, okay, I need to do A, B, and C. Put that down the, accent, the, uh, the vertical side of the, of the grid. And then across the top, you, you, you try to plot and say, okay, what can I do that might enable me to handle two items at the same time by one activity, not multitasking? So again, suppose you have to learn a software routine for work, and you have to train a newbie who's just come in, who will eventually have to learn that software routine. Well, if you learn it together, you're now accomplishing the two objectives, but you're not multitasking. Mm -hmm. You're sharing your learning path with this other Very person good. who's, yes, who's yes, working on with sure. you. So you look for those all the time. When you can accomplish A and B at once, it's to your great advantage. All right, next is what I call Conditioning your environment. Conditioning your environment. When you're always online, a Dr. John Medina says, you're always distracted. Today, we're all online all the time because our cell phones, our laptops, our various devices alert us as to when the next email or the next text has come in. But guess what? In some cases, you can turn off those alerts. In some cases, you don't have to be looking at the screen. In some cases, you can ignore what came in. 
that's not easy for everybody. A lot of people, uh, you know, have to look at whatever came in. But the point is, for many hundreds of years, people worked effectively and diligently and focused on the task at hand, what was on their desk, what was just before them, what was out in the field, because there were no electronics. There wasn't a, no, no, no such term as email or text messaging. And so we have to almost unlearn what we have learned of late. Now, I was on a hike the other day, and uh, one gentleman who was on there with me brought his cell phone. That's his business. That's fine. I just happened to ask him why he brought it on a hike, because, you know, we're out here <laughs> in nature, and it's supposedly this is a leisure time activity. He said that he wanted to be um, up to date with any, any communication that came in, in case anybody sent anything to him. And, you know, that's not the world's worst way of proceeding in this world. I'd say it. I think on a hike, it should only be there for emergencies. Well, yes. And you might have an aged mother. You might have a young child. You might have sure. somebody homesick. There's a lot of reasons that somebody might bring it. But that's not one of the reasons he gave. No. All right. So I explained to him why I don't bring my cell phone on a hike. I don't bring it to the movies. I don't bring it to a restaurant. I will bring it with me out of the house and put it in the car, but I will leave it in the car, you know, at least half the time that I get out of the car to go do something else. Why do I leave it in the car? Because most messages we get, most days of our lives are not urgent. That's number one. Number two is, and this is huge. Huge. There what? There is no anticipation. If you continually receive every single message as soon as it comes in, I mean, that's fine. Mm. That's one level of efficiency, getting the messages yeah, just right. as they come in. But you lose anticipation. If mm. you go to the movies and leave your cell phone in your car, or go to dinner, leave your cell phone in your car, after you come out of dinner and you check your phone, now, some things may have come in, maybe nothing has come in, but the point is, you had some anticipation. Hey, maybe I got that um, nice note I was waiting for. Maybe the check did arrive. Maybe whomever got in touch with me. That's anticipation. We need anticipation in our lives. It propels us. Interesting. So, you want to make sure that you condition your environment so that you rule your technology, it does not rule you. You turn things off, you leave things in the car, you ignore messages when it is to your advantage, and especially when you're focused on the task at hand and you have other tasks after that one that are lined up. Mm -hmm. You want to be a master of managing multiple priorities? Rule your technology. Condition your environment. Make it so that you're the boss. All right, that brings us to our third technique. Again, terms you've probably never heard before, but I hope now they'll become part of your parlance, like the multiple priority grid and conditioning your environment. Here's the third. Using multiple stations. Using multiple stations. So. 
Here's an example of a multiple station. Suppose you belong to a gym and you're fine with bringing your, your gym clothes back and forth each time because you get all sweaty and you want to wash them and so on. But your sneakers, you prefer to just have them be at the gym. That you don't want to be transferring back and forth. Mm -hmm. So you rent a locker. Maybe it's 40 a year, maybe it's less, maybe it's more, it doesn't matter. The point is that by renting the locker, you created a station for yourself in life whereby you don't have to transport your sneakers to and from <laughs> the gym. They're always there because you have the locker as your station. Maybe you have another station in the trunk of your car where you have another pair of sneakers in case you pull up to a basketball court or golf driving range or whatever it happens to be. The sneakers are not that expensive that you can't have several pair. And by having one at the gym and one in the trunk of your car and one at home, you've got stations now, multiple stations. You are freed from transporting sneakers or even thinking about sneakers. Mm. If you wear contact lenses, you put the little tubs, the change tubs for your lenses in your gym locker, in the glove compartment of your car, in your briefcase, in your medicine cabinet, and in your emergency medical kit. You might have five tubs. Now you're freed from thinking about contact lens change tubs. You don't have to carry them. You don't have to think about them. Those only cost about a dollar. So there's no financial burden to having multiple stations. Mm -hmm. So go through the other aspects of your life, career and personal, and determine what are the items that you use over and over again that are commodities, if you will, that you can place in the stations of your life so that there is no real concern anymore. It's set up. You've got it made. I'll give you some of mine personally. I was going to ask you that. Great. I have my <laughs> roster of key phone numbers on my cell phone, printed out in hard copy, hidden in my car, in a file folder in, in my office, and I even have them in a suitcase that I keep perpetually packed, you know, one of those rolling suitcases, mm -hmm. perpetually packed so that in case I do get the opportunity to travel in a hurry because you know, some cruise director wants me to meet them in, uh, you know, Bali or someplace. Yeah. I've got ready. the key phone numbers and the key passwords and everything. And you can code it. You can put, you know, junk numbers before the actual password. So if anybody ever saw your list, they'd have no idea what's what. But you know what it is because you've coded it in a way that works for you. Those are multiple stations of my key contacts. You see? Mm -hmm. Now you can do it with other things. I keep eight or ten bottles of water, the small, you know, personal kind that you can just grip easily with your hand. What is it, 16 ounce, 8 ounce? I don't know how. Six, 12, 16. 12, 16. I keep about 10 or 12 of those in the trunk of my car at any given time, so I am never out of water. Keep 
them at home. I keep them at other places. And so bottles of water can be commodity for which you use multiple stations. And you can now begin to just run through the list of mm -hmm. your own activities and what you use on a continuing basis and see how advantageous it is. From the standpoint of managing multiple priorities, when you use multiple stations and have these items set up in the various places that you traverse in your life, you are freed to focus on the tasks that might otherwise be building up. Gotcha. So it's to your great advantage. It's one less thing to put on the list. One less thing to take up any space in your brain. No neurons have to fire. All right. Now we come to the final observation on the path to managing multiple priorities. And I touched on this a little earlier, but now I'm going to elaborate. Earlier, you'll recall I said if your challenges continually overmatch your resources, you'll experience the lingering feeling of being behind, having to catch up, being maybe overwhelmed. So here's an equation, if you will, to save a ton of time. If you can eliminate or systemize something that you do 30 minutes a day, in the course of your 48-year career, say age 22 to 70, saving 30 minutes a day is like saving one year out of 48 years. How can this So be? these little things are worth it. Yeah. One, one 24th of a day is like one half of a year is to mm -hmm. 24 years as one year is to 48 years. If your career is 48 years long and you save just 30 minutes a day, mm -hmm. you save a solid year in the brunt of your career. Now, how do you save 30 minutes a day? Delegation, if you have the staff, if you can possibly have anybody else do it, and it doesn't even need to be on-site staff, it mm -hmm. could be virtual staff, it could be uh, services that you hire, it could be all manner of ways of getting things done that don't require you to, to put in your 30 minutes, all right? You can abdicate some of the things you do for 30 minutes a day don't need to be done. If you clean your house for an average of 30 minutes a day and you skip every other day, Generally speaking, every second day, your house will be clean. You'll have some dips, because that day that you didn't yep. do any cleaning, it's a little less clean. Mm -hmm. But you just saved, not just, uh, if 30 minutes in 48 years equals one solid year, you just saved six months within those 48 years. Mm -hmm. If you can systemize the things that you do on a regular basis. Suppose uh, there's a computer program, software, or there's an app on your phone that takes care of something that you usually used to do. Let's say you travel a lot and you frequently monitored flight changes and when the uh, price of a flight goes down and so forth. But now 
use any one of the various airline price apps, mm -hmm. the alerts. Now all of a sudden, the alert is working for you. You don't spend any time visiting the site, entering you know, the flights and you know, from what airport at what time, blah, blah, blah. So the apps and the alerts that are available today can be used to our advantage to help you to cut down on that time. Now, every time you reduce the amount of time that you have to spend on something, you are now freed up to get to that backlog of stuff, the tasks that have piled up. All right, final observation. When your resources, whether they be people to whom you can delegate, apps and alerts that you can use, arm's length services, when your resources match the challenges, the priorities that you face, you have an excellent chance of getting them done in a judicious and timely manner. Mm -hmm. When your resources exceed your challenges, you might even experience leisure, prosperity, wealth, peace of mind. Bring it on. So what we want to do is we want to continually be on the lookout for resources we can bring to manage our priorities and even heap it on so that we, we have more than enough resources to draw upon. That's a good situation because you look out at the world, they're under-resourced. typical person has challenges that exceed their resources and they're always trying to play catch-up ball. The great news for us is we don't need to do that. Great advice. Managing multiple priorities, Jeff Davidson. Thank you.